Hello and welcome to the Walk Around Podcast, where our goal is to share with you the insights, the skills, the processes, and the leaders that are influencing the retail automotive landscape today. I'm one of your hosts, Nick Funch, and had the pleasure of recording an interview with Sasha Lindikins from Avion Consulting. One of my colleagues, Mark Spoto, also joined me on that interview. Sasha is a partner with Avion Consulting, who has a PhD in counseling psychology from the University of Florida. He's an expert in the leadership space and has authored a number of books, including Ready, Set, Ripen, and How Leaders Improve. One of the things we'll explore with Sasha today is how to leverage empathy to better understand your customer. I got a lot, of, lot out of today's episode, and I know you will too. Take a listen. We've got uh, Sasha here with us today to talk a little bit about um, empathy as a selling tool. Mm -hmm. uh, but before we get into that, Sasha, maybe a little background about yourself uh, and how you got to kind of this role. Yeah, sure, sure. I have been in a leadership or management development role for about 20 years now. Prior to that, I got my doctorate in psychology and realized that I didn't want to do that therapy route. I actually started doing some work with the New York Giants, helping them in screening incoming players. And that got me really interested in terms of uh, thinking about the application of psychology in the business and sports world. And the work that I do these days is it's, it's really three main things that I'm personally doing. Number one, I do a good amount of executive coaching, working with leaders to help them optimize performance, uh, identify how can they leverage their strengths more or address any gaps or, or weaknesses in, in their styles. So that's one big piece of work I do. Second uh, area of focus for me is around designing and delivering uh, classroom experiences for managers and leaders. So helping them build some of these soft skills, you know, the emotional intelligence, navigating difficult discussions. How can they be more influential in an organization? How can they deliver effective feedback? Uh, those sorts of topics. Uh, and then the third thing that lately I've been doing a lot more of is team development work, helping teams work together and, and leverage each other's strengths more and, and reduce some of that friction and and resistance that we sometimes see in teams. So soft skills, I'm um, interested in that, seem to be a buzzword within all industries today about yeah. how do you grow those soft skills. What's your experience around kind of soft skills and, and how to strengthen those or work on them or do you have an opinion about that? Yeah, I do. Yep. I think soft skills are, you certainly can develop them. I actually don't, I use the term, but I don't like the term because soft skills makes them seem less important. If you look at there's been a good amount of research conducted on how important are soft skills. And really, once you get into the management ranks or, or in the sales ranks, uh, soft skills become more important than IQ. You know, what we call emotional intelligence becomes more important than, than IQ. Uh, some studies have it around two thirds, it drives two thirds of performance versus one third IQ. As you get into sales, it's even more important. So what do you like to call them if it's not soft skills? People skills, people influence, skills. emotional intelligence. So what would be a people skill that you feel is important in a sales role? Well, I tend to think there are two skills that actually most of the coaching work I do boils down to. And it's around, on the one hand, empathy, and on the other hand, directness or assertiveness. And 
those being out of balance with one another creates you know, a series of predictable problems. Are you clear enough in your messaging? Are you direct enough in your feedback? Uh, do you avoid conflict? Or on the other hand, with the empathy piece, are, are you able to read your audience effectively or just kind of coming in with, with your agenda and not really listening? So it seems, though, that empathy and being assertive, it's, that's a hard thing to balance. They're almost opposites, right? Yeah, they are. Well, if you think about assertiveness, it's a little bit of wordplay here, but in my mind, assertiveness is the middle ground between being submissive and being aggressive. So what I'm saying there is I think assertiveness is around, I have value to add in a discussion and you do too, right? So if you look at assertiveness that way, then empathy is built into, into assertiveness. And do you have some strategies, easy strategies that you recommend to kind of help build both of those muscles, maybe simultaneously? Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of those strategies? Let's see. So I, I like to define what empathy is about. And if you think about what is that, then you realize, okay, that's not a personality attribute. That's a behavior. And if it's a behavior, then we can learn it if we're so motivated to, to do that. Uh, so empathy is about the ability to understand and anticipate what someone else is thinking or feeling without them actually saying it. The ability to put yourself in their shoes and feel what they're feeling and cognitively understand what they're thinking uh, accurately without bias. So once you start thinking about empathy in that way, then I think how you communicate determines how much empathy you have. So in other words, one of the problems that we see really frequently that blocks empathy is people come into a meeting or a discussion, they have a goal they want to get accomplished, and they're not thinking or, or articulating what the other person's goal is, that they're too one way in their approach. So to have them be able to actively articulate what the other person's goal is, what do they want out of this discussion can be really helpful. And that's a, a concrete strategy that, that people can work on. So would one approach to that be better listening? You know, if you're a salesperson yeah. and you have a customer come to you, rather than approach them with an agenda in mind or a sales pitch, would, would listening bring out more empathy? It absolutely does. And, and the term we use is uh, not listening to reload, but listening to understand. Because I think a lot of people think they're listening when really they're thinking about how do I frame my argument based on what they're saying. So it's being, it's patient listening, it's active listening, it's playing back what you're hearing, it's making sure you're hearing the message accurately. And in my opinion, you can't be a good salesperson without having good listening skills. Uh, and believe me, I've walked down the path and experienced it and learned it myself. When I first got in, sales is part of consulting, right? When I first got into this business, I knew how to do some things decently. And when I would get into a business development discussion, what I would want to do is steer it <laughs> to the things that I could do. And I would be selling services and products. And I'd basically be saying, this is what I can do. Which of these is of interest to you? But Why? it's not necessarily what that person wants. Right. Right. And even in some instances, it may be, but that process is a turnoff. That process is so transactional rather than starting with, OK, what are the pain points going on for you? What are you looking for? What do you need? Why am I even here? And getting them to articulate their position and then asking multiple questions after that to understand the why behind it. I find why is a great empathy building question.
So I think a key word there, or what jumped out to me was process, right? And when somebody on the other side of the desk feels like they're going through a process, then it becomes kind of transactional. And the more you can take it away from the process, mm -hmm. I think the more success you have or the higher batting average I think you have when you get in front of, um, when you get in front of those customers. You know, I had the opportunity to go through um, one of your workshops and, and I love the exercise around um, your significant other. Yeah. Right? And I think it's so applicable to um, our day-to-day -day interactions because so, sometimes we do things just off the cuff and we don't even realize we're doing it, but there's such an application to our, our business and our personal lives where when we slow down a little bit, um, we get a better result. And, and I don't know if we have time, can we go through maybe that exercise or maybe set it up and talk about some of the interesting things sure, you've learned? Sure, yeah. So in that exercise, we highlight that you and your significant other are going to a big dinner event that evening and your significant other has just come back from the dry cleaners and found that the dry cleaner spilled some chemicals on their outfit. And then we ask people, how do you respond? And I don't know if you remember, Nick, but the most common response, it, it tends to fall into one of two categories, either some version of dismissiveness, like not a big deal. Uh, you just find four, something else to wear. Yeah. Find something else to wear. That's what I would say. probably. <laughs> <laughs> like you've got 45 other outfits, wear one of those uh, or don't worry about it. You know, that's dismissive and that's not empathetic when you're doing that, right? You're basically saying you may be upset, but don't worry about it. It's not, re you really shouldn't be upset. Well, there's a layer of that that's problem solving too, when you're not asked to solve the problem. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's the next most common solution is how can I fix this? Okay. So on one level is dismissiveness. That's the lowest level of empathy. The next highest, the, the next level of empathy is problem solving. Someone's got a problem. You don't want to deal on the emotional level. You don't want to meet them where they are. You want to solve the problem and make it go away. And I'm not saying that's poorly intended, but the impact, if you don't build in some empathy on the front end, the impact can be that the other person doesn't really feel heard. Uh, so what might problem solving be? Problem solving, you know, when I've done this exercise, I've heard, let's go down to the dry cleaners together and I'll, you know, I'll show them or let me go take you shopping for a new outfit. Or maybe we don't even need to go to the dinner party. Those forget are, it. We'll just stay home. Yeah, forget it. We'll <laughs> stay home. Exactly. Netflix and chill. <laughs> so this is the, we're all type A people, right? And, and we learn to solve problems and we learn to get things done. And it is, you said before, slowing down a little bit. And that's what we're talking about with empathy is, so what would better empathy look like? It's acknowledging the emotion. Oh, and we talk about, you know, name it. Wow, that must be disappointing. You must be bombed out. You must be frustrated. Uh, and even if you want to take it the next level, the highest level of empathy is what we call context. So it's name the emotion and explain why you think they're feeling that emotion. So that might sound something like, I bet you're, you're really bummed out about that because you've been looking forward to wearing that outfit to this event uh, for a long time. Or it might sound like, uh, I bet you're really frustrated. That's the third time these dry cleaners have ruined something of yours. Now, why is that empathy? That's empathy because you are demonstrating that you understand where they're coming from without them even saying it.
Well, it demonstrates that you listen, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's what's intriguing, especially in the automotive space or retail sales. So often we want to jump to that problem solving in that transactional environment, whether it's a, a payment, uh, whether it's a feature or benefit on the car. And the more, the more that you can relate that you heard what the true need is and that you've kind of filled this gap, I think the, the higher success rate you have in that sales environment. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's three reasons why empathy is important in, in sales. Number one, it demonstrates uh, a cu customer centricity. It demonstrates that you're aligned with what their agenda is, that you care about their agenda and that you're focused on them. It's not about you. It's not about your commission. Uh, it's about them getting the best car buying experience possible. Okay. Uh, and that you want to make sure they get something they like rather than something that you have. <laughs> uh, so customer centricity, number one. Number two, another thing about empathy that builds the relationship is once, uh, I'm sure listeners will, will be able to relate to this. Once there is empathy in a relationship, communication opens up. There's less guardedness, right? We're speaking more freely. Uh, we're not hiding agendas as much. Uh, so it really opens up the, the flow of communication if you're able to demonstrate empathy with one another. The third one, and maybe the most um, uh, pragmatic one, is good empathy allows salespeople to identify hidden needs. It, it allows them to really understand what's, what's the pain point, uh, what do they want in a situation, and because of that, it makes you a better salesperson. You're not guessing your understanding and you're helping them solve their actual problems rather than what you think they might be. So when you get to a point where you're ready to trial close or, or have a conversation around next steps, you can take a more targeted approach uh, with that customer by being customer centric, um, understanding kind of their underlying needs and having better communication. Uh, enables you to, to really solve for their their need yep. as opposed to just guessing or, or just trying to throw something up against the wall exactly. and hope that it sticks. It's good. Yeah, good yeah. active listening. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I try. <laughs> uh, I do think there are, this may be somewhat controversial. We're talking about empathy. I think it's a critically important skill set. I also think for a salesperson, you can go too far with empathy. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, uh, number one, you may... I've seen, I've, I've done it myself and I've seen other people do this. You know, there's always a, a dynamic between sales and operations. Okay. The people who sell something and then the people who have to fulfill what's sold. And sometimes if you demonstrate too much empathy uh, for the client, unchecked empathy, empathy without assertiveness, to go back to what we were talking about before, you can end up selling something that's not profitable okay. or that's too much of a pain for the organization to actually fulfill. So is that like setting boundaries throughout the sales process, right? Clear yeah. kind of boundaries? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I think a, a second reason why empathy can be, you can overdo it is uh, you can too quickly accept the no. What I mean by that is, you, you know, you're trying to understand what the person's looking for and you're not assertive enough in selling the benefits of what you have to offer. And I think that's what a lot of salespeople are actually, that's why they step away from empathy because <laughs> they've got a number they have to hit. I'm not saying, bottom line, what I mean by that is have empathy, but also be assertive. Yeah. So it's okay to ask for the sale and almost kind of pressure test where you are. Uh, and if you're headed down the right path, kind of solving that need a little yeah. bit. Have you heard the, the, 
the research around challenger sale? Uh, have you read the book? I, I have. It's been some time, but yeah. So I forget the different types. You know, there's like the relationship type of salesperson. Uh, they looked at I think four different types of salespeople to see who had the best performance levels, and supposedly the challenger uh, salesperson had the best performance levels. And what that's about is someone who has an assertive point of view, uh, has expertise and an assertive point of view around what is in the customer's best interest, what they think the customer should do. Now, they're doing it from a place of customer centricity, right? It's not about them. It's around they are actually giving advice that they think is in the customer's best interest, but it's not being passive. It's challenging their thinking. It's educating them uh, around the options. Uh, and that has the the most impact for, from a, as a sales style. Yeah, it's interesting. When I hear that, I think of kind of being passive through the process and, and solving all of their problems it may not get you the best result, right? And there's some demonstrating that you have been listening through that process by kind of uh, calibrating the solution that may not be perfect, but it shows that you kind of heard right. what, what they said. Rather the than, you know, they want to buy a... They want to buy a minivan, but you actually think the SUV is better for their needs and pushing that, being clear about that is, is kind of, and, and why you think that's the case. That would be an example of a challenger style sale. Can we go back just briefly to the, um, how you handle your spouse? I've got an event with my wife coming up and I got to make sure I've got something locked and loaded when her dress is messed up on Saturday. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. What does that look like? So empathy, important to sales. Um, you talked about kind of your role within uh, kind of training that classroom delivery. What do you see? Is there a style within the classroom that you see most effective uh, that maybe people could take away? Obviously, I think the automotive space is very training centric, but uh, is there something kind of that, that helps kind of glue around processes together within kind of your training that, that you, how you approach that? So. If I'm hearing you right, your question is from a training perspective, what has... Or from a learner perspective, right? Like you're you're on the training side, but from a learner, what works, right? What, what, what creates the most stickiness and glue? I think part of the answer to that question depends on what you're teaching. Okay. If you're teaching something that's totally factual, okay. uh, then you can use tools such as online learning. Uh, you can use manuals. You know, if, if it's kind of factual-based then I, I think it's a more one-way flow of information can work. If we're talking about something that involves more emotion, that involves more specifically motivating people to do something, uh, and I've really evolved away from thinking the key to a successful learning experience is giving them the best answer, so I used to think, to now it's around creating a great two-way dialogue around what their challenges are, giving them some ideas to think about, uh, and then having them practice those skills. So in other words, it's, it's a lot more opening people up and getting them to talk about their reality and a lot less lecturing about what the right way to do something is, uh, at least from a management development space. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of application within kind of retail automotive because you need kind of the, the tactical knowledge, right, of and the features, benefits of a vehicle, the process knowledge. But there is a lot of uh, 
sales back and forth. That's a hard thing. It, it takes experience. Mm -hmm. So often I think we have short fuses or I've seen short fuses in, in some of that. And um, there's probably a good lesson in there around kind of letting people fail. When I say fail, it's, I guess, having guardrails up and it's okay if they hit them as long as they're tight enough and potentially not risking yeah. kind of what the risk is associated with that. Yeah, there's a, uh, one of the founders of experiential education was a guy, last name was Kolb, K-O-L-B. I don't remember his first name, uh, but he looked at, he, did, he has this Kolb learning cycle. And what he says is you have an experience and then you want to sit back and reflect on that experience and think about what happened, why did it happen, and what might you do differently. So as you're talking about, you know, it's challenging job to sell. Uh, I think it would be really valuable to, after an experience, have the person sit back and say what worked, what didn't work, do an after-action review. Yeah. Uh, what are what are the lessons learned? What am I going to do differently next time? And you know, that's more of a micro learning approach, which is getting a lot of traction these days in, in our field. So it's not send them to a class for a whole day. It's okay. You just did something. You had an experience. What do you want to emulate again? Uh, why? What do you want to change next time? And, and why? If you're a general manager or a, a vice president or an executive, do you think, is it possible to improve your team in empathy? Yeah. Empathy is a skill more so than a personality attribute. And I think part of it is if you have, if I'm a general manager and I'm just beating results, results, results all the time, and I've created kind of a, a, a tone, I can set a tone as a general manager that doesn't really allow for empathy, right? Uh, so, you know, I think we have to be asking ourselves, what are we doing that uh, enhances or detracts from our team's empathy, number one? How much are we pushing on uh, results or a process that, that shuts down empathy? Number two, the, the other thing is talking about it as a skill rather than as a personality attribute and, and then teaching people the skills around empathy. You know, the five levels of empathy that, that we talked about before, uh, good active listening, that can be helpful. I think the third thing is be a good role model. <laughs> if you want people to have empathy you should demonstrate it yourself. And I'll, I'll throw in a bonus one, a fourth thing that I think a lot of managers, leaders don't do enough of is they will critique and give developmental feedback. They'll point out when it's not going well, but a more powerful way of influencing people's behavior is catching them doing it right and saying that was perfect. And here's what I liked about that. Here was the positive impact of that. You see, when you ask that question and you connected with the buyer, what happened there? Uh, so catch them doing it right and reinforce that. That's a very powerful way of, of shaping people's behavior. It's like the carrot or the stick, the management style. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're reinforcing the positive stuff, what you wanna see, and then having constructive conversations around maybe areas of opportunity. Back on the empathy piece, is there kind of one or two simple things that people can implement into their daily life or work on to help it? And I think about kind of the emotion side of it. Yeah. Uh, if, if we're kind of hardwired to jump towards the dismissive slash problem solving, what's kind of the next step around um, maybe the emotional side of it that could help open those doors towards kind of building just a little more empathy? Or is there something there? One thought that comes to my mind is be comfortable using 
emotional words. Okay. Be comfortable naming the emotion. Sounds like you might be afraid of, of that, uh, of that option, or it sounds like that's pretty concerning to you. So as you start to actually name the emotions, that's a, a very concrete tactical step that people could take to demonstrate more empathy. Okay. Yeah, I think that would be good. I, I think it would be very, uh, it's not comfortable, I think, for a lot of people, and, and it's not comfortable for me, I would say. It's not probably not comfortable for a lot of people in retail automotive, but just simple things like, hey, I know you're frustrated, or things like that. Right. So you need to try that with Alice. Try it. I know you're frustrated. I got plenty plenty of practice. She normally says it to me, though, when the credit card bill shows up. (laughs) I think the the other thing is, ahead of time, try and think about where is this person coming from? What's going on with them? So do some stakeholder analysis around who they are, what they're hoping for, et cetera. I don't know. I'm not sure how translatable that is to folks in, in dealerships, if they have that awareness and context or not. But I do think spending some time trying to put yourself in their shoes ahead of a meeting can be very, very helpful. That, that immediately makes me think around um, the value of trust in a relationship. And, and when you think about inherently people you work with longer, there's a higher level of trust just because over time you've demonstrated um, that either you have their back or, or they have your back or some combination thereof. And, you know, when you think about trust as a bank account, right, I think the, the deposits are, um, are small, but the withdrawals can be huge. Yeah. Right? And I think to that point, the more you kind of establish that between uh, kind of a contributor and a supervisor, it, it makes that conversation potentially a little easier. Right? Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. What are you reading today? Anything interesting? Uh, what am I reading today? I am reading actually, so I was just teaching class and one of the things we talked about was political acumen, nice okay. juicy topic. Yeah. Especially uh, this time of year. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, and got quite a few links to articles on the topic of, um, you know, building political acumen and understanding building capital, building political capital. And how do you build it and how do you use it? So I'm, like, I'm flying home tonight. I'm looking forward to reading those articles. So. Cool. And if uh, some of our listeners wanted to find you, where could they find you, Sasha? Uh, you can check us out at www.avionconsulting.com or you can uh, check out our LinkedIn page at Avion Consulting. Cool. Well, uh, I think this has been beneficial, Mark. I don't know about you. So. Uh, thank you, Sasha, for joining us. That was a great conversation. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, we'll have you on again. Always good seeing you. Be sure to keep listening to The Walk Around as we explore the retail automotive space to keep up with the leaders that are influencing the retail automotive landscape today. We really appreciate you joining us today. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and share it with your friends.